Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 14. Today is our stretch Sunday. Everyone say stretch. Stretch. Today is a day that we stretch it out. Stretch it out by faith. We have said this, that uh, it's dangerous to exercise something you haven't stretched. Obviously, in the natural way, in a, in a natural sense, um, you know, any anyone that would work you through any kind of exercise regimen or being in the gym and whatnot, they would highly recommend that you stretch the muscles that you're getting ready to exercise and getting ready to place emphasis on and put weight on. You know, weight is not always a bad thing. There are weights and sins that we need to set aside, right? Weights and sins that so easily beset us. But there also are weights that'll get put on your life that are designed to strengthen you and get you to another level. And if we just end up in this place where if it's weighty um, or pressing that we automatically resist it and reject it, then you're actually removing yourself from the very situations that God wants you to be in to grow you and to develop you. Tonight, or to this morning today, might not sound like your typical money message. I love when people, uh, you know, get a little bit uneasy when churches or pastors or ministers or ministries talk about money, but show me a ministry that's not talking about money and they're probably not doing much. Just gonna be honest with you. In fact, Jesus talked about money more than anybody in the Bible. Jesus had no problem with people having money because the more you have, the more you can give. He had an issue with people where money had them. Much different. Money, you can have money without money having you. And our consumeristic approach to life uh, and, and, and the way that our society teaches us is, is money is an, you know, money only reveals what is already there. If you're generous before you had money, you'll be generous after. If you were stingy before you had money, you'll be stingy after. If you weren't wise with your decisions before, money is a great uh, servant, but a horrible master. Isn't it? Don't we know this? Money will help you serve and accomplish so much in the kingdom of God. And Jesus had no problem with people possessing or having money, but he was very emphatic on placing the, the proper value and, and the proper emphasis on it. And so this might not sound like a typical money message, reading out of Matthew chapter 14, where we see that Jesus walks on water to his disciples. But this is what I've learned and come to know in my life regarding money and, and specifically generosity. Is generosity uh, and faith are connected. It's very difficult to be generous if our faith is weak. It's very difficult to be generous if we are weak in faith or lacking in faith because generosity in and of itself is a stretch. When we say generosity, we're not just talking about giving. 
generosity means to give above and beyond. That's why we call it Stretch Sunday. And maybe some of you aren't familiar with us, and, and this is something we do every year at the end of every year. It's called a Stretch Sunday, Stretch Offering that we receive, an opportunity to give toward the vision above and beyond maybe our, our regular tithe and our regular giving that we uh, uh, partake in and receive um, every weekend. Uh, this is an opportunity where we seek the Lord by the Holy Spirit and say, how would you have me participate to give toward the vision of what God is doing? And since everyone's already in a giving spirit in December, take advantage of that a little bit. You're already thinking about presents and gifts and, and you know these kind of things. It's the end of the year and we're wanting to end on a good note. And so we uh, take this Sunday every year, typically the first Sunday in December, to stretch our faith, but specifically in the area of finances. And you'll find that this message and this word today will apply to any vein of life. We all need to step out of the boat in some area of life. But I want you to see this first verse here in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Are you there? Say amen. If you're not there, say amen. <laughs> I love it. Verse 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while, watch this, he dismissed the crowds. I'm going to stop right there because we got to see some stuff here. Immediately he made the disciples, everyone say disciples. Get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Everyone say crowd. So we see two different people groups identified in this passage, in this verse. We see disciples and we see crowds. Notice that the disciples get sent in and the crowds get sent away. The disciples are sent into what we find out here in a little bit is a storm. You know, sometimes when you obey God, you end up in places that are contrary, <laughs> right? You end up in places that quickly make you question, did I hear from God? Did I obey? Did I do the right thing? I, how many of you would, would, would testify with me this morning that I obey God and all hell broke loose? Anybody? Any, all opposition came. The money wasn't there. The challenge was bigger. That's why you're a disciple. See, crowds get dismissed. Crowds stay on the shore. Not everybody gets called and assigned to go into. Many are called, but few are chosen. Not everybody answers the call to go into. The boat can't hold the crowd. The shore can the shore, and what does the shore represent? The shore represents comfort. The shore represents, you said it, safety. Oh, the days of playing safe church are over. No more safe church. We're going to wander into the call of God. We're going to answer the call to be disciples and go where he sends us because he knows that where I send you, I will sustain you. But it's not going to be safe. It's not going to be comfortable. 
The shore also represents familiarity. I get out in that ocean, anything can happen. I get out on those waters, anything can show up. I get out on that boat, and anything can come. But here on this shore, I've got family, I've got home, I've got job, I've got safety, I've got things according to my agenda, things according to my plan, things the way I, I know right where everything is. See, see, this messes with some of us because we believe that God is such a God of order that he would never send you into a place of chaos or disorder. But let me tell you something. He'll send you into places of chaos and disorder so you can bring order. You can bring clarity. You can be the answer. You can bring the solution. What good is bringing a solution if there isn't first a problem? What good is it being an answer if there isn't first a question? What good is it bringing order if there isn't first disorder? The Spirit of the Lord in Genesis chapter 1 was hovering over the face of the water, complete chaos, complete, but the Spirit was bringing order to that thing. I love when the Holy Spirit shows up and brings order to what everyone else just points at and says disorder, chaos, calamity, travail. Tragedy. God sees it different than you and I. And so he sends his disciples. Keep your finger there in Matthew chapter 14. If you jump back to Matthew chapter 8, we actually see a, a, another occurrence where Jesus sends his disciples into a storm. This time he's on the boat with them. And y'all know what he's doing on the boat, right? He's sleeping. He's sleeping in the midst of this storm. But leading up to that, in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 18, Jesus makes this statement. When Jesus saw a large crowd around him, he gave the order to go to the other side of the sea. See, most ministers and pastors, when they see a large crowd, they would stay. Jesus saw a large crowd and said, it's time to go. <laughs> I love how Jesus operates. He messes with everything. I mean, he just, he just flat messes with everything. So he says, we're going to the other side. A scribe approaches him, coming out of the crowd. Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus told him, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Lord, another of his disciples said, first, let me go bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. In essence, what are we seeing? That there is a different demand placed on the disciple than the one that is placed on the crowd. There's always gonna be just your typical followers, bandwagon um, you know, what do we call that? The, 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 the fans that just show up when everything's going right. How many un-Georgia fans do we have today? <laughs> now, I don't, we don't have any fair-weather Georgia fans. I'm not going to rub it in on you. I'm not an SEC guy anyways. I guess I will be in a few years when Texas joins up. But for right now, it makes no difference to me. But anybody that was on board at the height, will get off. See, if, they, if, if you follow because things are good, then you'll unfollow when things go bad. 
What's the determining factor for your following? What's the determining factor for you staying the course? What's the determining factor for following Jesus everywhere he goes? Because in the very next portion of this chapter, we see that Jesus sends his disciples in a boat to go to the other side, and a storm shows up. See, Jesus knows who he needs in the boat. Jesus knows not everybody can handle the boat. Not everybody will participate. Some will be okay, comfortable, and, and, and live at the level of spectating only. Standing on the sidelines and watching. Standing on the outside looking in. There when everything's going good, but then when Jesus is about to go to the cross, you know he went to the cross all by himself. All by himself. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a participator? What does it mean to really give yourself and give your life to the call to answer? Go back over to Matthew chapter 14. So the, the disciples get in the boat, but the crowd will stay on the shore. And after dismissing the crowd, verse 23, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, verse 24, the boat was already some distance from land. Notice the storm didn't show up until you're too far to turn it back around. Isn't that convenient? Would have been nice to know about that storm while we were still a little U-turn, we could be right back, right back near. You know, some of us are okay wandering just an arm's length away. We're out here where I can get back real quick if I need to. But Jesus has a way, following God has a way of bringing you out to where you have to solely depend on him, completely rely on him, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And, and I don't know about you, but when I find myself in really following Jesus, really going after his purpose and his plan, it will be in a place where it requires all of me to trust him. All of me. I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know how to keep going with this marriage. I don't, need, I don't know how to keep raising these kids. I don't know how to keep this business alive. I don't know how to handle this grief and this death and this loss that I've just suffered. I don't know how to go through this physical torment in my body. I don't know how to overcome these thoughts in my mind. You will, you will find yourself, it feels like you're out in the middle of the water. And now that shore, that safe place, familiar place. I don't know how to tread this. I don't know how to navigate this. I don't, I don't have a strategy for this. I don't have a plan for this. And that is right where he wants you. See, when we have something to fall back on, when we have something to lean on other than Jesus, when we have something to grab a hold of other than who he is, then we're not really fully trusting him with the vision and the call that he's assigned us to. And again, we've talked about this before, but man's wisdom means nothing in the kingdom of God. I just, I, I do believe that, that we're gonna see 
the church of God just do some outright crazy and foolish things in these last days? Completely defy the norms. Completely defy the status quo. And I'm not just talking in church. I'm talking about church people, God's people doing crazy things that the world will laugh at. The world will, you know, any dumb idea looks dumb until it's not dumb anymore. It's always dumb until it works. It's always foolish until it actually comes through. It's always stupid until it actually pans out. So at the end of the day, I'd rather follow God into the foolishness of man, standing on wisdom of answering the call and knowing what he has assigned me to. I'd rather fall flat on my face doing what he's asked me to than never taking the step off of the shore. That's faith. That's faith. That's faith. I mean, when, you, man, when you're in faith, you, you sound different. You talk different. Faith, you know, someone told me this one time, the devil doesn't care what you believe if you don't talk about it. The devil doesn't care what you believe if you never say anything about it, if it never becomes a part of your confession, if it never comes out of your mouth. But I've, I've found this, that eventually what is in your heart will come out of your mouth. The out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can only sound like faith for so long. Eventually, if it's not there in your heart, it'll start to show up in your mouth. But answering the call and, 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 and going after what God has called us to do, it means coming off the shore. It means stepping out, launching out into the unknown. And when the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. We just covered this, but obeying God does not mean that opposition won't come. In fact, I have actually found out the very opposite. Stepping out in obedience to God will bring and welcome opposition. If we're, not, if we're not feeling or sensing opposition to some degree, if we have a period of time where there's nothing pressing against us, it might be an indicator that we aren't going against the flow as we thought. We, we're, we're not walking with God as we thought. We are stepping out with his plan and with his purpose because God's plan and the world's plan they never move in the same direction so there's going to be some apprehension and there's going to be some hesitancy and there's going to be some restriction show up there, there's plenty of devils out there that do not want you to ever discover what God's plan is for your life and launch out into that the devil will work hard to make you comfortable the devil will work hard to keep you in the familiar, to make you feel safe. Man, he, he will, he'll surround you with people that will talk you out of answering God's call. Come on. 
He'll, he'll, the, the devil is good at keeping people comfortable in a life that doesn't follow God. He's good at it. He'll, he'll bring just enough money along to where you, 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 you're able to accomplish what you can do in your own power, in your own might. The devil's good at it. But now this opposition begins to show up. And just so you know, there's very little opposition on the shore. Just so you know. There's no winds and waves on the shore. There's no opportunity to drown and sink on the shore. So if if that's more important to you than answering the call of God, then we stay on the shore. You don't have to battle the winds and waves. You don't have to battle what will people think about me. You don't have to battle what if we run out of money. You don't have to battle. There, there, there's, there, are only, there are certain trials and tribulations and oppositions that you will only face when you step out. And it's usually the people on the shore pointing the finger at the people in the boat, laughing and making fun of them. Offering no aid. Look at, that, look at them saying they're answering, they're answering the call. They're following out. Look how dumb they look. Floundering out there in the water. Should have just stayed here in the comfort and convenience. Should have just stayed here on the shore. Should have just hung out here. Should have stayed home. Should have stayed in your lane. Should have stayed put, right? Should have, should have, you got to know your place. You got to know where, where you're supposed to be. You don't belong out there. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of people that want to highlight the failures of those that step out in faith. Sure. And sure, in the middle of a storm, the shore looks like the right place to be. Looks like. But we'll find out that's not the place you want to be. So we recognize these disciples, they are, have already stretched their faith coming off of the shore, getting in the boat, and now a storm comes. And let me just say this before I move on to the next verse. If you're going to take the step of stretching your faith, don't be surprised when you have to exercise it. If you're going to go through all the work to stretch it, come on, people want great faith without the great trials that develop great faith. Faith comes by hearing, but it grows by doing. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But if you want to develop that faith, if you want to develop that muscle, guess what you're going to have to do? Exercise it. Put it to use. Put it to work. Make a demand on it. Put some weight on it. Put some pressure on it. I mean, when, when, when someone goes into the, the gym, they, they, they are going with the, with, the, with the purpose and the focus of strengthening, growing, and developing what's there. And you'll never develop something in comfort. You'll never develop something. You'll never grow it in the familiar, grow it in convenience. I, I've used this example before, but if I go in, I get a personal trainer and, and, and he, he's asking me, you know, all right, you know, how much do you think you can lift? And I say, well, you know, I think I can curl 35 pound dumbbells. And he says, okay, here's the 25s. Probably not a great trainer. 
He might make your flesh feel comfortable. Come on. It might make you feel good, but you ain't gonna get growth. You're not gonna get the development. You're not gonna get the, 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 the strengthening that you're there for. What will probably happen is I'll say 35s and he'll give me a 45. It'll be beyond. See, stretching always gets you beyond your capacity. Stretching always gets you beyond where you can reach today. I'm not trying to help you just be able to reach what you can already reach or reach within your reach. I'm trying to help you reach further than you've ever reached before. God is growing and strengthening this church, Anchor Faith Church, here in this community. And he's not just trying to get us to reach in 2022 what we've already expanded to and been able to reach. He's got more. There's more. There's further that we can reach. We haven't even seen anything yet. And the only reason we are reaching what we're reaching in 2021 is because we stretched ourselves in 2020 and stretched ourselves in 2019 and stretched ourselves in 2018 and stretched ourselves in 2017. And every year we say, God, stretch us more. Increase our capacity. But he will not increase you in a place you have not stretched because it will break you. And so Jesus is stretching these disciples. Okay, you took the step of faith to get off the shore and in the boat. Good for you. I want to stretch you a little further because we've already done this before in Matthew chapter 8. I've already gotten you off the shore and into the boat. We've already done this. But now I want to stretch your capacity. Last time I was in the boat, this time I'm on the mountain. That's a stretch. Matthew chapter 14 is a stretch from Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8, they're all in the boat. Jesus is sleeping in the bottom of the boat, and they can call on him. This time, he's not there for them to call on him. They're going to have to figure this thing out on their own. It's stretch. God will always have you in scenarios and situations that will demand more of you in the next season than you were in the previous season. And this is what I love about God, is he only asks of you what he knows he's already put in you. He is not an unloving God. He is not uh, an irritable leader. He is not one that just wants to restrict and impose and, 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 and just put you know uh, um, unfair challenges on you. If you're in it, it's because he saw fit that you could handle it. If he called you to foster and adopt, it's because he saw fit that you could do it. If he called you to start a business, because he saw fit that you could do it. If he called you to government and, and, and assigned you an area, he saw, it's because anything he's calling of you, asking of you, he knows I've already put it in there. He only demands what he deposits. He only demands what he deposits. Sure, you're going to have thoughts of insecurity not able, incompetent. That's because you haven't yet grown to the capacity to which he's developing you. You haven't yet grown to the recognition of the potential that is inside of you. And that's what stretching does. Stretching helps you reach a potential. Stretching helps you get to a place you have not yet been 
And that's what he's doing with these disciples. Verse 25 says, Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Now, Peter, in verse 28, calls out, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. So now Peter is taking this thing another level. He says, if we're going to stretch, then we're going to stretch. I mean, it's one thing to already, it's one thing to walk out on calm waters. Like, why didn't we test this back as a swimming pool? Why are we testing walking on water in the middle of a storm? But Peter says, if it is you, bid me to come out. Call me out to you on the water. And Jesus says, what? Come. Jesus will always call you to go beyond where you are. He will always call you to go beyond where you are. He's always calling us to go out, to go deeper, to go further, to do something we've never done, to see ourselves in light of who he has called us to be. Jesus is never going to let you stay where you are because your purpose is compromised, your potential is compromised, He's always going to call you to do something more than where you're at today. What's he calling you? Beyond. Where is he calling you to step out beyond? What's he placing on your heart, maybe in this next season, in this new year, that is beyond where you're at today? Sure, we want to become proficient. We want to get good at what we're doing now. We want to develop to the level we are so we can move forward. I'm not talking about abandoning what's now and searching for what's next. But I can tell you right now that as soon as we develop faith in one level, he's already on to the next thing. He's already on to the next thing. That's what faith is, isn't it? Faith is believing in what you cannot see. If you are able to do it under your own power, under your own ability, under your own uh, cognitive understanding, in your own reasoning, it makes sense. It, 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 uh, it all comes together. You can put it down on paper. Then Jesus is probably calling you to some degree to go beyond that now to reach a number you haven't reached, to reach people you haven't reached, to, to do something you haven't done, to prove a, a, a level of competency and growth that you haven't seen yet. That's how God operates. He's already moved on to the next thing. I've seen this in my own life, in ministry, in, in, in our personal life, in our marriage, uh, in, in, in following God, that there are things that were once hard to do that now I can do really with little to no thought. That means that I went from curling the 35s, 
I bumped up to the 45s, and now it's time to bump up to the 55s. It's time to grow. It's time to increase. I can do the 45s. I can bust out three sets of 10, no problem. Now it's time to move up. Now it's time to increase. Now it's time to add some more weight, add some more pressure so that we can continue to strengthen and continue to grow. And I can tell you this, no matter what level of growth you ever achieve in life, you can always choose to stop and stall out. That's always up to you. It's always up to you that you always have the point to say, I don't want to grow anymore. This is as big as I want to get. This is as good as I want to get. This is as proficient as I want to get. This is as faithful as I want to get. This is as uh, 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 purposeful as I want to get. You always have that in your power. You always have that in your control to say, but let's just be a people that say, I have no stopping point. I'm not going to say no when Jesus is saying yes. I'm not going to say, I can't do that. I won't go there. I've grown enough. I've developed enough. I believe when you hit that point, you become a Pharisee. I believe Pharisees are the ones that have a ceiling. I'm not growing anymore. I'm not learning anymore. I'm not walking with you anymore. That's a Pharisee. And now what happens is you become prideful in what you have accomplished. You become prideful in what you have done. Look at how big I made this. Look at how good I'm doing. Look at how much I've gained. And God doesn't get the glory anymore. The Lord isn't, you're, you're not glorifying him. You're not testifying of his goodness. You forget those moments where if it weren't for God, you would have failed. If it weren't for God, you would have stalled. If it weren't for God, you would have died. We start doing things under our own power. We start doing things in our own ability. No, Peter says, it's not good enough just to be out here in this boat. Call me out. You just showed me another level that I can believe you at. You just showed me another level I can grow. If you can walk on water, I can walk on water. Come on. He saw Jesus and said, I want to do that. Call me out. And Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. And I tell you what, it, it, it takes a lot to already be in an uncomfortable situation and make it even more uncomfortable. <laughs> it takes a lot to say, you know what, this storm and this weather, that's a little crazy. That's enough for today. It takes a lot to say, no, I got this. I want to walk on water in the middle of the storm. I mean, that's where you just want to cut the devil's head off. You want to knock his face in and say, I'm going to leave no doubt that God's coming through. I'm going to leave no doubt his hand is on my life. I'm going to leave. I'm not, it's not that I'm looking for trouble. Where can I find a giant? You know, Jesus never was looking for demons. We're not to be going around looking for giants, but man, when they show up, we, we better be ready to stand armed and stand in their way. I'm not looking for trouble, but when it shows up, it's going to be, it's going to be sorry that it came looking for me. Come on. You got to have that on the inside of you. 
You got to have that on, in your heart that says, I'm, I'm going to make sure you don't get anything out of this. What the devil meant for evil, God will turn for good. Let's be people that don't just believe Jesus to get us out of storms, but that we can literally step out of the boat in the middle of the storm. So verse 30, but when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. When he saw the strength of the wind. See, this is the thing about stretching. When you're in the stretch, you've got to be laser focused on what your goal is. You will never know distraction. You will never know uh, um, trial greater than when you are in the stretch believing God for something already. You didn't realize those people were like that. You didn't realize those barriers were up. You didn't realize it took that much to accomplish it. You didn't really, there's so much you don't recognize on the shore. The storm looks a lot different on the shore than it does on the water. And I'll go a step further. The storm even looks a lot different outside of the boat than it does inside the boat. All of a sudden you are very aware of the potential to fail. You're all of a sudden very aware of your surroundings. And when you're in the stretch and you're believing God and you're strengthening and you're growing to the next level, you're gonna have to be so focused on the goal at hand. It says that when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. When he saw the strength, what did he do? He took his eyes off of Jesus and he got his eyes on his problem. Man, we gotta keep our eyes on Jesus got to keep our eyes on Jesus. The distractions will come. The doubters will show up. The haters will become more evident. The problems and the trials and the, the issues and the challenges, it's the same storm as it was in the boat. It's the same storm that it was on the shore, but all of a sudden now it feels like there's more at risk. There's more risk involved. There's more at stake. There's more to lose. I have stepped out. I am beyond being able to reach the boat. I'm beyond being able to reach the shore. There's no way out. It's either you save me or I'm going down. And it's in those moments where the contrary, the contradictions, the doubting, and the fear, and the anxiety comes to a height. This is where we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Isn't that what it says of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12? For the joy set before him endured the cross. Did you know you can endure trial if you'll keep your eyes on the right thing? For the joy set before him. What was that joy set before him? The joy wasn't the cross. The joy wasn't the persecution. 
The joy wasn't the beatings. The joy wasn't having his character and his reputation run through the mud. The joy wasn't being embarrassed in front of his family, his disciples, and all humanity. The joy wasn't wasn't being accused of something he never did. The joy was you and I coming into the kingdom. The joy was lost souls being once restored back to him again. The joy was a kingdom restored and a kingdom come and a will being done on earth as it is in heaven. The joy was you and I. And so he kept a laser sharp focus, the joy set before me, the joy set before me, every accusation, every beating, every crown, every thorn, every nail, every accusation coming against me, the joy set before me, the joy set before me, the joy set before me, and he endured the cross. See, Jesus doesn't call you into storms, Jesus calls you through storms. He's not just calling you into it. He's calling you through it because there's something on the other side. There's a reason why he needs you to get through what you're going through. Don't stop here and ask questions. Don't stop here. Why did this happen? And why is this happening? And where is God? And why have you failed me? Why have you forsaken me? Why can't I talk? Why, why can't I hear you? Why, why, why can't I sense you? No, keep going. Don't stop. Keep your eyes fixed. But the moment you take your eyes off of the goal, it'd be who of all of us in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a struggle to stop and say, what's the goal? Where am I trying to get? Why did I come out here? Why did I follow? And what is the end goal? What is on the other side? He saw the strength of the wind and he forgot the strength of his God. He saw the strength of the wind, the same wind and waves that six chapters back Jesus spoke to and said, peace, be still. And they what? They stopped. That quick. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now that's what we all want to hear as Jesus is pulling us up out of the water that we so boldly stepped out on. There's no good try, A for effort, get them next time. There's there's not even, you know, anything like, you know, here's where you messed up. Let's watch the replay. Let's let's go back and watch the, he just says, you have little faith. But this is the thing. He's not calling him a doubter. He's identifying where it went wrong. He's identifying you didn't fail because the storm was stronger. you, you, You failed because your belief in me didn't hold you up in the midst of the storm. You'll never get to blame the problem for your reason not addressing and challenging what God has called you to. Because if he called you to it, he's put it in you to endure it, to come through it. So he'll identify on the inside, this is where we missed it. So now I know where to go back and strengthen myself next time. 
You have little faith. Oh, okay, so I need to develop my faith. I need to get stronger in this arena. I need to get more shored up in this area. Come on, there's no participation trophies. No participation trophy here. You tried, here's your gold star. No. I need you to understand how we can endure it next time because it's in you to come through this thing. It's in you to walk on water. It's in you. If you will believe me at my word. See, Peter wasn't just stepping out on water. He was stepping out on a word. Don't go home today and in your bathtub try to step out on some water. No, Peter stood out, stepped out on a word from God. And guess what? You have a word too. And if you don't keep your eyes focused on the goal, you too will sink. You too will see the distractions. You too can be moved by what's around you. But let Peter's lesson be a lesson for us. I need to stretch my faith. See, he had stretched his faith for believing that Jesus could calm the storm. But he hadn't stretched his faith in believing that he could walk on water. But guess what? He just stretched his faith. He just increased his ability. He just expanded and just saw another glimpse of his potential. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. I want to give you three things here that generosity will do for you. Three things that generosity will do for you. I believe one of the greatest areas that the Lord wants us to stretch in our capacity is in generosity and specifically in the area of finances because finances can become so quickly a ruler. Finances can so quickly become a master in our lives. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's a warning. It's not money being the root of all evil. It's the love of it. It's the lust after it. It's letting us know that if we're not careful, this money thing will control us rather than us controlling it. Number one, generosity always makes a demand on our faith. Generosity always makes a demand on our faith. Faith dies in the familiar. Familiarity is where faith goes to die. I know this to be the case because in Mark chapter 6, Jesus shows up in his hometown of Nazareth where he's recognized and he's familiar with all the people in that town. They all know him. He knows uh, them. Isn't this just the mother of Mary, the mother of the, the, the son of Mary, the son of Joseph? We know his brothers and sisters. This is the carpenter's son. And it says that, they could, he, that Jesus could do no mighty work there unless he, he, uh, uh, he could do no mighty work there except save and heal a few people because of their unbelief. Their doubt and their unbelief. Well, where did the doubt and unbelief come from? Their familiarity. 
Faith will never grow on the shore. Faith cannot grow in the complacent. Faith cannot grow in convenience. Faith cannot grow in just going through the motions and meeting the status quo. Faith is, is developed and strengthened when you get out beyond yourself. So faith has to be stretched, has to be stretched to a capacity it's never been before. Number two, generosity reveals that Jesus is Lord. Generosity reveals that Jesus is Lord. Why did those disciples get into the boat in the first place? It said Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. He didn't make them as in force them, as in chain them up to the boat and said, get this thing over to the other side. He spoke as Lord. And when the Lord speaks, you follow the instruction. Lordship means this, owner. That's literally what Lord means. It means owner. Well, guess what that means? I'm not the owner. If he's the owner, then I'm not. What does that make me? A steward, a manager. When we learn to be generous, it is an acknowledgement. I don't own this. This doesn't belong to me. This isn't what I would do with it, but it's not mine to call. You are the Lord, and whatever you say I do with it, I do. This vehicle doesn't belong to me. Come on, this house doesn't belong to me. My possessions don't belong to me. Boy, we struggle with that, especially in, the, in this country in America. Because we feel we work so hard for our possessions, work so hard for our paycheck, work so hard for our privilege and our power and what, and, and what we have done to accomplish and to gain. But it's only by the Lord's help and the Lord's design that you were able to do it. And he put it in your hands. And God never asks you to give at your expense. He'll never ask you to give so you have less. It is literally how he gets more to you. It's literally the way he gets more to you. The world says you get more by keeping. And God says, no, you get more by giving. Because now I've just reached, now I've just realized you have the capacity to handle what I put in your hands. He's not interested in your saving ability. He's not interested in your ability to, to earn interest. He's not in, interested in your ability to, to uh, uh, take an amount and store it away and save it up. There are times where he will call us to save. There are times where he will call us to set aside. There are times, but ultimately, he wants you to be responsive to his voice and whatever he says to do with it. I mean, by a dream, Joseph got a word from the Lord that said, save up for seven years. But guess what they had to do in the next seven years? Give it away. Be a blessing. It wasn't to store up to say, look at us, look at what we got. You can't have it. No, it was to be a blessing to the entire nations around them in the midst of a famine that hit the land. And God shored them up and said, I need you to save for a period of time so that you can have when no one else has, so you can give when everyone else needs. There's always a purpose behind saving with God. 
There's always something to accomplish. There's always something to do. It's not about padding bank accounts and having uh, large amounts to do. It's, it's about, God, how can I respond to your voice with what I have here? And you prove that by acknowledging that he's Lord. Number three, generosity opens the door for prosperity. A lot of times we think about it the other way around. When I become prosperous, I'll become generous. But you know what I have learned about generosity? It doesn't care about your bank account. Generosity isn't a matter of what's in your hand. Generosity is a matter of what's in your heart. Generosity doesn't have a number attached to it. Well, when I give this, I'll be generous. No. I remember early on, I had an individual tell me, Pastor, if I won the lottery, I'd be the first one to write you a million-dollar check. I didn't say it, but I wanted to say, well, just start with what you got. I promise you, if you're not a practiced, generous person, you won't all of a sudden become one when money shows up in your account. It doesn't work that way. You learn to be generous when you've got $10 in the bank. You learn to be generous when you're you're barely holding on yourself. You learn to be generous. Generosity is anybody can be generous. Generosity isn't for the prosperous. Prosperity is for the generous. It works the other way around. It's a principle. I mean, if a woman that only has gave all that she could, two mites, the last two mites that she had, dropped it in the offering bucket and Jesus stopped her. I mean, and, and by the way, Jesus is standing there looking over every donation that came in. And he saw all the large checks, but even more than that, he saw the hearts behind the checks. And he said, this woman, because she gave out of her great need, gave more than all of y'all who gave out of your abundance. He identified many of you might be prosperous, but only one of you is actually generous. Generosity is what opens the door for prosperity. When God knows that you'll handle it even in the smallest amount, he says, wait till I bring you the large amount. Because I know that you'll still listen to my voice. Even when, because I know it doesn't have you, you have it, and you have it under your control to be submitted to my voice and my word when I need it. Worship team, if you come. Jenna, in Matthew chapter 14, finishing this up here as they're coming. We're not done because remember, Jesus didn't bring them into the storm to stay in the storm. Jesus didn't bring them in the storm to stop in the middle of the sea. There's somewhere to go. We're not there yet. And in verse 34, when they had crossed over, they came to the shore at Gennesaret. Now they went from one shore to the other. 
And when the men of that place recognized him, they alerted the whole vicinity and brought to him all who were sick. They begged him that they might only touch the end of his robe, and as many as touched it were healed. The point is this, there is more to reach. And if they wouldn't have stretched their reach by faith in the middle of that sea, they wouldn't have increased their reach to the other side of the sea. There's no telling what's on the other side of your stretching. There's no telling what's on the other side of our stretching as a church that what could be on the other side of what we've already seen God do. But here's what I know. I am not gonna stay on the shore. I'm not gonna stay on the shore of comfort. I'm not gonna stay on the shore of convenience. I'm not gonna stay on the shore of familiarity. I'm not gonna, it would be easy. Guys, I'm telling you right now, just statistically speaking, we're already in the top 20% of churches in America. 80% of churches in this country run less than 200 people. It would be easy to stay right where we are and say, we made it, we arrived, one short of the next. But that's not God's call for us because there are more shores to get to. And that means there's more stretching that's needed so we can increase our capacity. We can expand our reach. We can enlarge our tents, not for our name, to glorify him. So people will fall on their face and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So people can find life just like you have found life. So people can come out of darkness and be brought into light just like you were transferred from darkness into light. So people's bodies can be healed and mended. So marriages can be restored and delivered. So minds can become whole and peaceful again so people can find destiny and purpose we've got to keep stretching we've got to keep stretching I'm committed to stretching I'm committed to always moving on to the next thing and whatever that requires of me whatever that requires of us it would be easy guys to continue paying the overhead that it takes to do what we're doing. It would be easy to take on the, the employment that we have today and just stall out and just say, let's just stay right here. Because we, we've got this figured out. We've got this budget. We've got this leadership team figured out. We've got this facility figured out but to have a heart that says there's more we've got to buy this so we can expand on it so we can grow on it this room isn't going to hold all that God wants to do there's no way there's no way there's still so much in my heart in our hearts that we haven't even tapped into yet. Desires that we want to see and beyond church. I'm not just talking church. We're talking about education. 
We're talking about families. We're talking about reaching a community. We're talking about bringing revival. We're talking about seeing the glory of God come. Come on, you gotta expand your picture, expand your perspective, expand your vision by stretching your faith. And so we're asking you today to stretch with us. I know this, it can't be done on our own power. The reason we're here today is because someone stretched so you could have a seat. Somebody gave above and beyond, so you. So let's keep it going. Let's keep stretching. Let's keep increasing. Let's keep expanding for the kingdom of God. We're asking you to stretch with us today. I know many of you have prayed about this. I know many of you have sought the Lord over the last several weeks, have, have maybe even gotten together, together as husband and wife and said, we, we need to come into agreement about what the Lord would ask us to do. Whatever that is, stretching looks different for everybody. It's not about a dollar amount. The first thing people do, the first thing people highlight is it's not enough. No, it's not. No, it's not. There's not one person in this room on your own that could fund the vision God has given this house. But if we all came together and did our part, what would that look like? What would that look like? Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.